This is One Oak Church. We exist to share the hope of Jesus. No matter who you are or where you're at in life, you are welcome. Our mission is simple, to bring people that are far from God close to Him. Tune in as Pastor Robbie Emery shares how we change the world and, uh, by loving God and loving we're others. We're the Sunshine State. And while we're there, though, it's just, just post-hurricane season. And the winds and the rain and the waves had hit this area so hard, you could see it. It was evident the natural eye. The restaurants that were no longer in operation, the apartments that were destroyed. You could see debris, the beaches you didn't want to go to because there's so much debris. It wasn't clean. It wasn't, wasn't a place you really wanted to be because you could see everything. It was just not great. And I picked up a local newspaper that day and, and I was reading some things and I began to read something really unique. It was crazy. Is that someone was walking the beach and in walking the beach, they found a gold doubloon. And a gold doubloon is, is something that's very rare and unheard of. A gold doubloon is, is worth a lot of money. In fact, we have people in our church who, who have metal detectors and they'll go around beaches and areas and places and they'll find things of value, rings that are lost and things that have been misplaced. But this, this wasn't misplaced. Someone wasn't flipping this coin walking on the beach. This was extreme value. But the newspaper said that through the storms that had come through the area over the past several days, that this hurricane had brought up something from the depths of the sea that had been buried for centuries, over hundreds of years old. And this coin that was pulled up because of a storm was now pushed up onto the shore and they appraised it and it was, that it was worth $50,000. That someone discovered. And what I realized from this story is this, is that sometimes storms in our life pull up things that otherwise wouldn't be pulled out. That sometimes we go through stuff so we can see the value that's deep down inside of us. That sometimes we go through things and on the other side of the things we go through, we see how precious and how valuable that is. And we see the, the, the genuine beauty of it. Because otherwise it wouldn't be uncovered. I'm sure divers depth to depths they've never gone before. And I'm sure historians have looked for this piece. But it was a storm that brought it up. Maybe you're going through a storm today. Maybe it's a storm of life. Maybe your storm is going to pull something out of you, some value that otherwise would go undiscovered. This week, some very unique things happened. And I began to follow some news stories. And whether you follow sports news or not, it was in many news platforms. And it made me realize the importance of emotion even more. Today, I'm talking about the ministry of sharing. And I think sometimes emotions go unshared. We don't share emotions enough. In fact, I was telling somebody just before church that we're doing the at the movies in the summer for the first time. And they're like, oh, great. Do I need to bring a bunch of box of tissues with me to enjoy this service? Because for a long time, 
I think we've bottled up emotions as if we tucked them away. I've always been told even as a young man that I was a very emotional person. And because of that, as I grew into an adult, that I felt like I needed to be a little more mature. And so I didn't allow those real emotions to surface. And I didn't allow those real emotions to surface and they affected my marriage. They affected me the way I parented because the real version of myself was not out there because I allowed my emotions to be tampered. And this week I saw emotion take place like no other. In fact, even Greek mythology says that Achilles, Achilles was a man of emotion. Jewish customs tell us that people of that day would carry around a bottle of tears to the point of like, when I'm crying, I'm mean, I gotta bottle these things up. It's kind of weird, but I get it. It was a custom. The custom was because they felt like the tears that they bottled would turn into songs of joy. And they wanted to be a reminder. And this is what happened this week. Maybe you noticed this. But that bottom picture was one of the players of the Chicago Cubs. And this week he was at bat and he took a swing at the ball and he fouled it. And that ball, he locked eyes with that ball and that ball spun off into the bleachers hitting a four-year-old girl right in the face. The father of the four-year-old girl picked her up and carried her up to the stands immediately. There was no time to waste. She had been hit in the face with a baseball. That was his reaction to what he saw. You can go watch video of it. He gets up from this and there's tears falling from his eyes. This man was just doing his job. He plays baseball. And he is so distraught with emotion that he can't even go on. He goes to a security officer. He puts his arms around her and he asks about the little girl and she didn't have any definitive answers for him. And it made the scene even worse. You know what emotions do? They let us know that no matter how many millions of dollars we make and what we do, that we're human emotions let us know that I'm not a robot, that I'm human. Some people say that what we're doing today is emotional. 100% it's emotional. Because love without emotion, is it really love? The love that I have for God, that's real love. And so I am emotional. I am. The other is the man who stepped behind the podium this week to take the head coach position of the University of Michigan basketball team. And he steps to the podium after a long introduction and he is overwhelmed with emotion. He cries and he tells the audience, these are tears of joy. Man, I long for a day. I long for a day when humanity allows our emotions to be one that not judged, they're just out there. I think we need to share our emotions more. Do you agree? Because if we bottle up the emotions, what happens ends up exploding. If I bottle up emotions, I'm not being my real self. And so I need to share my emotions, good, bad. I need to get them out. I need to let others know. That's what this community is about. We understand that our emotions are not our guides or our gauges. They just let us know that we're human. They just let us know that something's wrong. They don't take us down the road. They just help us, let us indicators in our lives. 
psalmist wrote that if you sow in tears, that you reap a fruitful song. So today, I say let the emotions out and we welcome all the feels at One Oak Church. Print me up a shirt. (laughs) That's kind of a weird shirt. Don't do that. (laughs) That's funny right there. I didn't even, it's a good time. Stand with me. Every year around this time, there's an epic battle of discussion of who is the GOAT. Today we begin a series called The GOAT, the greatest of all time. The discussion is, is it Jordan? Is it Kobe? Is it Curry? Is it LeBron? Who is the greatest of all time? I tell you, on the first Sunday of February, you know who the greatest quarterback of all time is. But who is the greatest of all time? The greatest of all time we're going to talk about. Today, I'm going to talk about the miracle of sharing. Next week is the miracle of serving. And on a Father's Day, we're going to, today's the miracle of sharing. Next week's the ministry of serving. And on Father's Day is the mindset of staying. The mindset of staying. Today, we turn our attention to a story that's so amazing that it's recorded in every gospel, every gospel. I don't know if it's the greatest miracle outside of the resurrection, but the guys who wrote the Bible we read said, man, this is a pretty good one. And so we're all gonna record it. So John chapter six, verse one says this, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that the large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him. Notice he said this to test him for Jesus knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a boy. He said, five five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish, as much as they wanted. Notice as much as they wanted, like free refills. All day, chips and salsa, it's coming. When they'd eaten their fill, he told his disciples, eating their fill, all they want, till they're full. He told us, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing, say nothing, may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw that sign he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Today, I wanna preach you from our series called The Goat, The Miracle in Sharing. The Miracle in Sharing. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you're doing in all of our lives. I thank you for this amazing group of people who've gathered here this Sunday morning. And God, what we're doing, God is helping shape and change lives. 
God, I pray what happens in this moment today that we take with us out. We go into our community, we go into places that we serve, the places that we work, the places that man, we're just being, doing life. And I pray that we bring hope. I pray that we bring love. And that, God, we just be kind to others and truly make a difference. I pray, God, that our time together be well spent, that when people leave here today, God, they say truly the presence of the Lord was here and I'm better for it. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. High five two people. Two people say what's up. Tell them they look good. Thank you, Mike. Everyone have a good Memorial Day. Man, great Memorial Day. Weather was good, right? Weather was good. Rained a little later in the day. Weather was good. Many went golfing. Maybe you, had, you went to the parade. It was a good time, right? You, you did all the things. Um, man, you just had good food, ate well, did the things. And um, I, I intentionally spent the day with my daughters, had time with them. And uh, we went and did some things that they wanted to do. They wanted to go to a sporting goods store and get some more gear. They play softball. So we went and got them some gear that they would need to play softball. And we just spent some time together. And, and we're, at the, we're at the mall, really. We're at the mall. And, and I had to go to another store at the mall. And as I walk out the store, I said, I noticed, I remembered there's a, there's a pet store here. And I said, hey, girls, you want to go to the pet store? They said, we sure do, Daddy. I was like, oh no, what did I get myself into? And this has never happened before. Those 12-year-old little girls in a public area put their arm in my arm. They just like locked in. I'm like, I am in trouble. And I would have bought a dog that day if I, if I didn't want to still be married. I didn't want a divorce happening. So I'd already made up my mind before I had to make up my mind. And I was already locked in. We're not getting a dog, but man, the dogs look cute. Man, it's been a long time since I've been in a pet store. And every time I've gone to a pet store, I remember, I remember those dogs are pretty lethargic in there. Like they're, they're barely even moving. They're like sleepy. I don't know what they give them or why, but man, they're just, they're, they're, just, they're not like a puppy anytime. Like they're so, you're, you should be jumping around, making my girls be like, they're, you know, you, they want to hold them, right? Like keep them and hold them, but they're just like moving around like crazy. And my girls were in there and I did let them hold the dog. They got a, a Boston Terrier that they held. The thing was like this big. It was so cute. My daughter Ava's holding it and she is weeping. I mean, she is crying. I'm like, babe, are you okay? She's dad, I'm crying. I'm like, oh, you sad because I'm not letting you have a dog? She says, yeah, or it's my allergies. <laughs> she started. But as we're walking around in there, they, they walk by the different cages and they're like, Dad, you gotta look at this dog. And I'm like, what? It looks like Papa. Like the dog looks like their grandfather. I went over and went, kinda looks like my dad. And I'm like, oh great, kinda looks like me. So I did some research and found out that there's people who look like their dogs. You didn't know that, there is, look at them, check it out. There's people who actually look like their dogs. Amazing, amazing. This lady out. What? <laughs> this guy. I'm, I'm grumpy, so I'm gonna get a grumpy dog. This guy, man, long face. Love the hair. I don't know who did the hair first, but man, someone copied another person. This guy. I put that one out for TJ. I love it. People look like they're dogs. I don't know where what happens, but you end up being like the people you're associated with. Show me your friends and I'll show you your, there you go. 
And life moves at the speed of relationships. So in this story, Jesus is with those that are closest to him. And I love this story because Jesus does something that he doesn't really do any other time. That he asks his disciples help with performing a miracle. That in this moment, Jesus goes to his disciples and say, hey, will you help me out? Will you, will you be my hands and feet? So all the other times Jesus is doing things on his own. I've got this, I'm, I'm healing the blind eyes, I'm raising people up. But in this, he asked the disciples to help him out. And you even can tell that Jesus knew the answer. He knew what needed to be done, but he was doing this to test them. He was doing this to use them. He wanted to do something with them. He wanted them to be a part of the miracle, not just watch the miracle. And I thank God for that. I thank God that even still today, he wants us to be a part of the solution, not just watch it happen. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The church is here to be a part of the solution. The church is here to be a part of the miracle, to help. You might just be the answer to someone else's prayer. Your resources, your mindset, your vision, your hope might just be someone else's answer to prayer. And this is what happened in the story. Jesus was hanging around them so much. He said, hey guys, we've been around, enough to, we've been around each other enough that you might just be able to do what I'm doing. We kind of look like each other, so let's give this a try. And so Jesus sees the need of the people. And Jesus, is, Jesus sees the need, and the need of the people did not discourage Jesus. He went out to find a solution. And he used those closest to him to help. Jesus, the Bible says he would oftentimes go into seclusion. He'd go to a place of solitude. And he would go to a place of solitude. You can read the scripture that he would be in that place to communicate with the Father. And then he would come minister. And he would go from that place of ministering back to the place of solitude, which is a great response that we all should have that we should all have, all have a time of devotion, that we're praying and talking to God, that we have some time with him, and then go into place where we're in, in community. See, the problem sometimes is, is we're always up in the clouds. We're always up here, and we're never in community. We're always where, hey, God, I'm with you, I'm with you, God, but we're, how can we affect the world that we're supposed to change if we're so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good? If we're always up here, how can, we're like speaking in tongues to our neighbor. How does that help him? Like, I have no clue what you're saying. I just need my yard mode, you know? And so we have to make sure that we're not just up in the clouds, that we spend time in a community where people need help, where people need the difference made in their life. But we also can't spend so much time in the community that we forsake the one who has called us. We forsake the one who's commissioned us to go make a difference. So we have to come in. It's a constant going in and coming out. I work until I'm tired and so I go to sleep and I sleep until I'm refreshed and I get back up and work. That's the constant community that we have each and every day. And it's the same in our Christian faith. We do that. And so we must do that. We must make sure we're doing that. And we, we, we have to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us, going back and forth. We must never seek the fellowship of God in order to, to avoid the fellowship of men. Relationship with Christ should not make us less human, but make us more human. I can't, I don't have this halo on my head, right? It's not there. So I've got to come out of the clouds and get into a community. At the side of the crowd, Jesus had sympathy and he was kindled and he said, we've got to do something about this. So he asked Philip, who was from the area, he says, Philip, man, what can we do? And Jesus said to Philip, where can we buy bread so these people may eat? 
So the first Jesus is like, hey, let's buy something. Let's pull our resources and do something. He said, he said this to test him. He said, man, let, let's see if Philip says, yeah, we got enough money and I can do this on my own. Sometimes I, mean, man, we got, I, can, I can fix this on my own. I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna fix this and not faith it. And Jesus said, man, I'm just, I, and he knew that he wouldn't have enough money. And Philip's response, Jesus, it would take 200 denarii to even just give everyone a crumb. He said, we can't do it. And when Jesus is asking, where do we buy? He really wanted to know, who can we bring? And the answer wasn't in the buying, it was in the bringing. What will you do when Jesus asked, how can we feed people? Philip's answer was alarming and despairing. He said, we can't do this. But then Andrew appeared on the scene. He said, he discovered a lad with five barley loaves and two fish. Quite likely, the boy had brought a picnic lunch. The boy did not have much to bring since barley was the cheapest of all breads. It was, it was just, for the, just for the poorest of the poor. And the fish, the fish were not like bass or anything. It was like sardines. There's no such thing as fresh fish. They were pickled fish. And so these five loaves and two fish that this boy had would have been the equivalent to a small lunch. This little boy didn't have much, but what he did is he gave it to Jesus. I think when I, we read this narrative and this story over the years, we have removed the boy from it. And I think he plays a bigger part than we give him credit for. I think he has some decisions to make, this little guy. I, I think it may resonate with us, right? This little guy with a lunch, He's got some decisions to make. I've got a little guy, my eight-year-old little boy. And one thing he loves to do is eat. And, and I, we were, we were, I've told you this story, but we, we would eat all the time. And I'll lean, I'm not hungry, but in the you smell the food and you kind of want a little bite. You don't want the whole thing. And you're, leading, you're like, hey, bud, I'm going to have a French fry. And he's like, he hits my hand. I bought those. But like, he, that's his lunch. That's his meal. Don't take from me. And I can imagine this little boy had some decisions to make because these men are coming, hey boy, I need your lunch. You're right? This boy has some decisions to make that I think we do as well. And the decision for him to make is I can either consume this or I can give it away. This was his lunch and he had a choice to make. You can either eat a meal or eat a miracle. You can have a lunch or a legacy. See, this little boy has something that's his, that someone greater than him packed. <laughs> someone beyond him gave him and said, hey, this is yours. And they didn't tell him that day, you're gonna go somewhere where Jesus is gonna be. And Jesus might request something from you. But this little boy had some decisions to make. Can I, if I give this to Jesus, it can either be a lunch for me now, but a possible legacy for me tomorrow. It can be a snack in the moment or a story that every writer of the gospel would pin. I think God has deposited, something greater than us has deposited some things in us, has given us some talent, some resources, some treasures, some time. And God says, hey, I've given this to you and you have a decision to make. You can, you can either do with it what you want, you can consume it, or you can put it into my hands. Unfortunately, too many of us have consumed what God has called us to contribute. There are things in your life that you're consuming that God has called you to contribute your time and your talent and your treasure. Let me show you something here. TJ, you help me? TJ, I just want you to hold your hands out above that bucket. Yep. And so what we have, we have a responsibility as a people 
that whatever Christ gives us, whatever God puts in our hands, that we have a responsibility to receive and then to release. Whatever I've been graced with, whatever I've been blessed with, I'm going to receive and then I'm going to release. The problem is sometimes we close our hands. And when we close our hands, I no longer can receive the blessing of God. Now, oftentimes we'll do this. We'll empty, we'll release, and then we'll, be, we'll hit a rough time. We'll hit some struggling times. And so we'll receive blessing. And what do we do? Is we close our hands. And when we close our hands, God can no longer deposit what we need into our life because we're holding on. And because we're blessed with resources, we're blessed with time, we're blessed with treasures, we're blessed with talent. Not to say that we're blessed, but to be a blessing, to make a difference in the lives of other people's, to go out and do something. Because if I constantly have this mindset to open your hand, do this, this would be the plan of God, God will continue to do this. He will continually pour, receive and release, receive and release, receive. That's the kind of blessing I want. I want a blessing so messy right? Man, your blessings are so messy. Yes, right, because I'm in the business of receiving and releasing. Come on, somebody, that's good preaching. Come on, Josh. And here's what we do. Here's really how it looks. This is how it looks. When we have a relationship with God, we're to be a conduit of blessing. And this conduit's coming from God, the blessings of God, to all the other areas of life. And this is what it looks like. It's a constant flow of coming from him, going through us. That's the flow. And that's how it needs to be as a church. We don't want to be a reservoir. We want to be a river. We want to be a reservoir of talent. We want to be a river of talent. We want to be a reservoir of resources. We want to be a river of resources. Because a river is alive. A reservoir is dead. A reservoir just contains something that's been stale and stagnant for too long. You, it doesn't give you life. It actually takes life away. We want to be a river. We want something that's flowing. But sometimes what happens in our life, this is what happens, is we, we have a little bit of fear. Fear happens in our life and maybe the economy's not great or maybe I, mean, I just don't think I have enough time to give and, and maybe my, we feel like my talent's not that great and so what we do is we, we stop it up. I cover that too much. We close it off with fear and with doubt. And what happens is when God starts pouring in a blessing, it doesn't go anywhere. I've got, I've got a reservoir full, but I'm not helping anybody. I'm not making a difference. Is that really a living? And just keeps flowing. And eventually our container will be full and God will be like, all right, that's good. You got a full container, but you're not being a conduit of blessing for me. And so I'm gonna have to go where someone is willing to receive and to release. That's our church. That's why we help other church planners. That's why we have a missions program. That's why we do the things last night that we do because we wanna be a community of receiving and releasing. And so we have a responsibility, a choice. I'm gonna hurry to a close. I have eight pages of notes in five minutes. So I can consume it. 
a lunch or a legacy, a meal or a miracle, a snack or a story. Or I can conceal it. I can hide it. No one knows. I, I grew up, we didn't have very much money. And uh, growing up in elementary school, you, you would do this. I don't think they allow it anymore. But you would take a lunch and you would, you would trade, right, at lunch. You would, you would trade things. Patrick, I would never trade. In fact, I wouldn't even pull out my whole lunch. Because, Dave, I, didn't, I felt like I didn't have anything worth trading. And so I would conceal it. And I think a lot of us in the room are very similar to that elementary boy, Robbie, where we think, I don't have anything to contribute, so I'm just going to conceal what I do have. Because no one wants it. Stop hiding the things that God has put in you that are valuable because you think no one wants it. In your hands, yeah. But in Jesus' hands, something amazing can happen. You know, the little boy, he had to be close to. He had to be really close. For them to see the little boy, they had to be close. So maybe we stop concealing and we get as close as we can to where Jesus is. It's all proximity. But get close. Get close to the church. Oh, you're saying that because you're the pastor. No, I'm saying that because I believe it. I believe being close to the church. I'm telling you what, if I wasn't the pastor, I'd be serving like, like you are. I'd be doing that. Because I believe in it. I believe what happens if my kids come here. Part of that. I want my family. I want as many people as come. Because I believe in this. Get close. You know what Michael Jordan said to a parent who asked him, hey, how can my son be a basketball star like you? He said, here's what you do. He said, wake up, get, the, get, your, get your child up before the sun and take them to the gym and then come pick them up when the sun goes down. Michael Jordan said the key to be a successful basketball player is proximity. Get them in the gym. Get them in the place where they wanna be successful. Proximity. I want, I want a successful marriage. I want a successful family. Proximity. Be close. Be close. Be as close as you Get in a connect group. Why do you push connect groups? Because we believe in them. We believe life change happens in them. We do. Why do you push serving? Because I believe that we're better when we serve together. Be a part of it. Some of my best friends, I didn't know until we started the church, but they're my best friends. They're my ride or die guys. They got me. When we have financial strain, you know who's got me? My loading team. They're like, hey, we got you, Robbie. We got your gas money. It has happened. I'm telling you. And that doesn't happen if I'm not close. Get close. Man, I'm, I feel something in my spirit today. Maybe it's Mike's good playing, but I feel it. I feel it. And then finally, contribute. The lad contributed the five loaves and two fish. One decision determined his destiny. One decision today will determine your destiny, that you'll take what God has given you and you'll give it to him to turn from just a simple meal into a credible 
miracle. One decision determined it. I wanna see the wonder of God. I wanna see the greatness of God. I wanna see thousands saved for the kingdom of God. I wanna see lives forever changed. And we can't allow what we don't have to keep us from using what we do have. In Acts chapter two, there's a bunch of people who could have given up and said, hey, we don't have enough. The Bible says there was 500 people that saw Jesus ascend waiting for the promise of the Father. The day of Pentecost in Acts 2, there was only 120 there. They could have been like, man, there's only like 20% of us. Like we, we don't have enough. They had a major church split. They could have given up. But they waited. The Bible says, I believe here's what it happens. For wonder to break out, you have to want it. Thousands were added to the church that day because they wanted it. And you have to wait for it. It was the day of Pentecost. There was about eight days between the time Jesus ascended to the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that revolutionized the church. And then finally, you have to work for it. They were in one accord and one place. They got along. They hung out. Their hope was, and what's next? They believe in greatness and they were in it to win it. The message here, if we put our lives in the hands of Jesus, who makes something great with it? Today, you may be here for the first time and your life may seem small and significant to you, but to God, it's something great. The Bible instructs us that Jesus took the boy's lunch. He blessed it. And then he broke it. And then they begin to distribute it. And then begin the other hands of the disciples. And then the dad who was there just to hear the voice of Jesus began to multiply in his hands and begin to multiply in everyone else's hands and it began to grow and it began to become more. It wasn't just Jesus. It wasn't just the disciples. It was the guy who was there for the first time that touched a miracle, that ate a miracle until he was full. Because when Jesus breaks something, it's not to hurt it, it's to multiply it. The brokenness that you may feel in your spirit is not to destroy you, but to duplicate you. It's to pull the ministry out of you. Maybe my brokenness that I feel is calling me to sign up to help kids. You know what I'm saying? It's calling me to go help those who are hurting. It's calling me to go spend time in the hospital, to go serve in other areas, whatever it is. Because God has put something inside each and every one of us and the enemy would love for us to consume it. It's just me, it's just me, it's just for my glory, just for my blessing. The enemy would love for us to conceal it. No one wants this, no one can use this. But God is calling us to come close and God is calling us to contribute because what we have is so great that in the hands of Jesus, in the hands of others, it will tend to multiply. Because at the end of the story, Jesus says, go find the fragments that nothing is lost. Jesus cared so much about the pieces because he understood that the broken pieces gathered would fill 12 baskets where they started with just one. All the broken pieces put together were far more than what they started with, man. 
I believe God has called me as a pastor to help you find the broken pieces of your dreams, the broken pieces of your hope, the broken pieces of your marriage, the broken pieces of what you called your life that feels to be in shambles. I believe if we pull those pieces together, you can have more at the end than even what you started with. Let's find the fragments. I told Danielle my life is about to get even, even busier, that I feel this impression, this calling, if you will, that I'm to find the fragments. I'm gonna go out and find those who've been hurt by church, to find those who've been, been hurt by religion, find those who've just filled this place that they don't belong. Maybe they've been de-churched. And let's find, let's pull you back in because there's something inside of you, man, that God wants to use, that God wants to bless, God wants to help. Because at the end, they had way more. I wanna close with this. I didn't say this first service. When Jesus told his disciples, we need to care about the crumbs. What we may see as broken, Christ sees as blessed. Every piece of fragment did not represent the broken, it represented the blessed. The words gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost, shout at us from scripture. So I looked this statement up in the Greek and I found something that you might like. The words gather up the fragments, gather up from a Greek word, it simply means lead together. It means completeness. When I gather up, without the fragments, we're not complete. Without the fragments, I'm not whole. Without the fragments that are called my life, I'm not whole. Without the fragments of my dreams pulled back together, I'm not whole. Without the fragments of those who have left the church, who've left the relationship of Christ, I'm telling you, we are not whole. We have to find the fragments. The day started with one basket with a few items and left with 12 baskets full. How do we go from few to full? We find the fragments. That's how we go. I wanna help you find the fragments of your life. Pull them back together. How do I start that? How do I put the pieces back together? Connect group. Start with the word connect. Come back next week. Keep coming to church. Build relationships, serve, do those things. Find the fragments so that nothing is lost. You need to start carrying around some spiritual baskets with you. Spiritual basket. Start picking up some pieces. Walk to your house, man, pick up that piece. Walk at your job, pick up that piece. Walk in your community, pick up that piece. Bow your heads. It's a holy moment right here. No one moving around, no one talking, no one, just, just you and God right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. We had so many in first service that gave their life to Christ. And as I said today, I hope you in your journey with your relationship with God, I'll send you a book in the mail to help you in your next steps. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ or maybe it's been a long time and you just want to say yes to Jesus today. And Jesus said yes to us while we were still sinners, while we were broken and hurting. And you can say yes to him today. If you've never given your life to Christ, when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand or maybe it's been a long time since you've committed your life to Christ. You want to start fresh today. If that's you in this moment, you want to say yes to Jesus when I count to three, raise your hand. If that's you, one, two, three hands up, hands up, hands up, 
You see the hands. Wow, so many hands. Drop them down. Drop them down. With every head bowed, every eye still closed, no one looking around. I want everyone in this room to pray this prayer with me. Whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to pray this prayer. Say it out loud. Heavenly Father, I realize today that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Today, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Today, I give my life to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, clap your hands.